0: This podcast is brought to you by JewishPodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at JewishPodcasts.org. Everybody, Parsha's Miketz 5782. We're gonna talk about the end of the Parsha. Parak Memdalid Pusik Hey. Halo or Yishda So this was the uh, toward the end of the parsha when the accusations were were laid against the Shvatim that he was, they were the ones who stole the cup, the goblet of Yosef at Sadek. So Menashe, whoever the messenger was that went to go get them, says, Halo, zesh, Isn't this the, the goblet, the cup, that my master drinks out of him? Not only that, he does magic with it as well. Yosem, asher, you guys have done such evil. How could you have possibly done this? How could you have stolen it? Now that's in Pasuk He. In Pasuk Tezvav, Right, they make the response, they stay back, and whatever, and then Yosef gets involved. Yosef, the mama, "What's this thing that you're doing over here?" But you know that a man like me does these types of magics. That's what I do. I do these types of things. How could you get involved? So. Let's th- first start with K. Let's deal with Pasake for a second. Pasake is really strange. Menasher, whoever this person was, right, was speaking to them as if they knew exactly what was stolen without telling them what it was. He didn't say it was a gobble. He didn't say it was the coast, the gvia, nothing like that. He just said, this is what my master drinks out of. How would they know what he was referring to? If not for the fact that, especially if they didn't steal it, why would he speak to them so directly? So the Sforno says that this goblet was apparently used by Yosef Zadok in the meal. They all saw it and they knew its significance. Yosef Zadok didn't go anywhere without it. It was such a famous cup, so to speak. He didn't go anywhere without it. He didn't have to mention it by name. They should know immediately what he was referring to. This makes the fact that they had stolen it even sillier, because why would they steal something? that the king himself would immediately notice it was gone. That just seems really strange, seems really off, why they would do such a thing. It just seems off. The says the Shruten, were actually very confused. They had no idea what he was talking about. They looked at him and they said, what are you referring to? The response that they had taken no silver nor gold, but they didn't take anything at all, indicates that they had no idea what was taken from the palace and they had no clue whatsoever. It was only after he pointed it out to them, Yosef later, where they said, oh, oh, well that's what you're referring to, the, the, the cup? We never took that. They had no clue what he was talking about up until that point, that's how the Ramban says it. rachayim Paltiel says menasha showed them the goblet cover. I guess I, I, you know, how sometimes you know, a cup comes with that little coast thing on the bottom. You know, that little like, uh, what do they call that thing? I don't know, the coaster. I guess that's on the bottom. So they had something with it, and he showed him like some cover or something like that, and he showed that that was what he had done. So they, I, I guess he said that that was referring to when he said "Haloze, this bottom has a cup to it, right? And that's what it refers to, and that's what he's referring to them. Now, the Reva says similarly, this is the Baltosos, he says that the goblet was comprised of two parts. The top part, so to speak, was stolen. And that's what was put inside their bags. The stem on the bottom was in the hands of Menashe, or whoever this guy was. And he was showing them this while the goblet was there. Maybe you've seen a cup like this before. Like the top part is an actual cup that you can hold in your hands like that. While the bottom, it goes into a little thing. You put the cup inside there and the bottom has like a stem and it's right there. And it's got a little like hand almost to grab the cup. And that's what it was. So Menashe said, I have this. You're missing the, we're missing the cup. Where did the cup go? accusing the Shvatim of stealing it. Now, the Ben from Odio he says that this cup really was made of two different parts, like the Baltosos, like Recha and Paltio. The top part was silver, and that was the one that was in Benyamin's bag, the part that was stolen, so to speak. The bottom part was made of gold. They could be separated from one another, but one was used for drinking, And the other one was for putting it down when he wanted to put it down at the meal. Either way, it was there. Again, silver and gold. The silver part on top and the gold part on the bottom itself. That's why the Shvatim could not claim that this cup was from home. Because the truth is, even if they found the cup in their bags, couldn't the Shvatim have said, no, that's our cup. That's not Yosef's cup. That's our cup. We brought it from home. And no, they couldn't claim that because this cup was perfectly made to fit inside this golden arm bottom i guess the golden foot that it was put inside so it fit perfectly in there there's no way they could have had a cup from home that looks like this so they had it and it fit perfectly in and that's why the shvatim responded by saying we didn't take silver or gold we didn't take the silver cup we didn't take the golden foot we didn't take either one of those things we didn't touch any part and that's also what angered the messenger he said if you stole it for money why would you steal the top part which is silver you should have stolen the bottom part which is gold and that's what the messenger was trying to say to them. What were you thinking by taking that part? And if you wanted to do it to sell to, so that you can tell the future, because the top cup apparently was used for magic and things like that, he said, that doesn't make any sense as well. You should have realized that Yosef uses this and you have no shaykhis to this. You have no connection to these types of things. So that's what he's saying. Why would you steal the gold, the silver part instead of the gold? And if you're doing it for the cup part, for the magic involved, I don't know what you're thinking. It's obviously not going to work for you. That's how the Ben says in the Old Yosef Chai. We'll come back to this. The Ibn Ezra and the Chizkuni say this entire thing was a test. That's what they claimed. Yosef claimed to have left the goblet on its own for a little bit. You know, there was a guy in Skokishiva Yeshiva who was uh, uh, accused of stealing a bunch of things. He was a dormer, and he was accused of stealing a bunch of things from the dorm. So what did they do? They left out a $20 bill that had a little note on it that said, I belong to whatever it was. And they put it out there, and of course, the guy took it. What did he claim? He claimed he didn't see the note, that he only saw the $20 bill. And therefore he took it because he said it was Hefker, and that was that. Didn't work very well because it was on a dresser in someone else's room with a piece of paper on it with a little weight that said, right, that you couldn't come off, so it wouldn't blow off by the wind itself. So it didn't much hold water. But that was a test. They tested him. The guy didn't make it so far. And unfortunately, that guy was not very long for the dorms. The dorms was not the place for him. Says David Ezra in the Chizkuni, this is what Yosef Atzadik claimed. He claimed the entire thing was a test. I left it there to see what would happen because you guys claimed that the money was put in your bags the first time and that you brought it back and see how trustworthy you are. So let's see if you're really trustworthy. I tested you by leaving the cup out there. I wanted to see what was going to happen if you would steal it when I wasn't looking. And if you did steal it, that would... That would obviously go against the claim that you guys are trustworthy and that you had the money, that the money wasn't put inside your bags themselves. If they did steal it, obviously it would show that they're the thieves, that they did it originally, they deserve to be punished. Said Yosef, according to Ibn Ezra and the Chisconi, this was all a test. And again, as a timeout, we all know it was placed inside Benjamin's bag by Yosef. But this is what he was claiming to tell the Shvatim what was wrong and what he had done. The Orachayim Akadur says, that's why the messenger said, do you know how evil this was? You were set up for this. You were set up for this to happen. At first, you had a cheskes kashrus, he told them, because you returned the money. But now we see you only did it so you could steal something bigger and better. So the more you're into it, the more you're stealing. That's what they were saying. So he's calling out the Shvatim and looking very angry, calling them out on what they had done before. The Balitosa says, that's why Yosef was so angry by Yomer Lahem Yosef instead of Alehem, He wouldn't even face them. He said to them, but he wouldn't talk to them like he was talking before. He said toward them, I can't believe you took my cup. You failed my test. You failed the test that I put out for you. How could you have done such a thing? Now, this wording of Hariosim Asher Asisim, you did so evil by doing this, was a serious thing for three reasons, says the shach. Number one, the, the, the gobble was a significant cleave. Yosef was not sending any old servant after them. He was sending his number one guy, Manasseh, or whoever the number one guy was at the time, to be able to go find them, his important minister, to bring them back. I'm a busy man, said the minister. I've got a lot to do, but I'm here trying to get it back because this cup was unbelievably important. Number two, there are people who are waiting for food. I 'm the guy who's giving them the food. I already took time off to go to dinner with you guys and to be there," said the messenger said Yosef Atzaadik. And now I have to go looking for my cup as well. People are starving. There are people whose children are dying, and we're sitting there looking for this cup and going around over here. How evil can be a Harsam. You're taking me away from my major job of feeding the world and taking care of you as a timeout. Since this whole thing was a ruse, you got to wonder, so if that's true, why would Yosef Atzaadik have done this and taken it away from other? people and allowed other people to die while he's dealing with the Shvatim. But the obvious answer is, he must have thought or at least assumed that somebody else was taking over and somebody else was taking care of everything. But he was using this to tell the Shvatim, look how evil you guys are. Or number three, you must have done something terribly wrong. If you stole a magic cup that tells the future. If you stole this cup, that means you have something that you wanted to hide from Yosef Atsadik. How bad are you that you wanted to hide whatever it was that you did? How could it be so bad that you wouldn't allow things to happen over here? The Marl Diskin adds, how could you be such thieves that you couldn't stop yourself from th- from stealing the... Top cup of the king of the Mitzrayim. What kind of person does that? And that's the idea behind it. The Torah more says this cup said Yos, it was actually used by Paro. Hareosam Asher asisem said his messenger. How bad is it? You stole from Paro, not just from his from his second in command, but you stole from Yot, from Paro himself. The mi'am loes and the malvim adds there are three things that even the most seasoned thieves do not get involved with. They never get involved from something with something that's constantly used. You don't steal something that a person uses all the time because he's going to realize that it's stolen from him. Don't do that. You take something that a person is going to notice is stolen very quickly, he's going to catch you. That's number one. Number two, don't get involved with kings and princes. Don't get involved in kings and princes because kings and princes have so many people around and there are so many people who notice when things are missing. There's so many servants out there. Don't get involved in that. And they also have a lot of resources to go through. And number three, you don't steal something that's extremely valuable. And this cup, apparently a magic cup, is extremely valuable. You stole something, said Menasherah, this guy over to the Shvatan, that was all three. It belonged to the king who was extremely valuable and used all the time. What were you thinking? Haryosim Asher Sissim is referring to that. But then you got to ask, so what was Yosef thinking with all this? Why is he accusing them of this? He already put money back in their bags and they had it returned. He's now accusing them of stealing a cup. What in the world was he thinking? Why would Yosef do this to them? And the answer is, there's a few answers to this. The shach says he was giving a kapara for the shvatim for what they had done to him. The shvatim sicked their dogs on him. If you remember, when Yosef at was first coming and he saw them, the Medrash says he sicked dogs against them, had their dogs going all the way out barking and yelling or whatever it is. When they got to Yosef, they didn't do anything. They didn't bite him. They didn't say anything. But he sicked their dogs on them for them to have that happen. And as he's sicking the dogs, Yosef at was scared. So what he did was he, from afar, had a man chase after them accusing them of stealing something from afar, as if he's sicking his dog, his messenger, against the Shvatim. He's doing, This is what you did to me. This is what I'm doing right back to you. I'm sicking these dogs right back on you. And then he sent them, those dogs, to be able to bring them back. Yes. Shalom. So Yosef HaTadik felt, and although we're not going to go into this full answer, but you're right, Shlomo, we don't do that to other people and put ourselves in trouble for that. He felt that this is a kiyom of his dreams. And since he felt his dreams were either Ruach HaKodesh or or both, he felt that he had the right through his dreams to be able to accomplish whatever he could for the Shvatim. He understood that the dreams meant that the Shvatim would get a kapara for through what he's going to do to them. So whatever that means, and whether he was right or not, that's a different story. This was the idea of what he wanted to do, and therefore, when he saw that he had an opportunity to do to them what they did to him, he did it, not out of jealousy. That's why he kept crying. It's clearly not out of jealousy, but because he thought that that would be the best thing to do. The Tam Vadas, which is Rav Sternbach Rav Moshe suggests, that Yosef did this because the Shvatim began to think this guy is really related to us. They couldn't tell just yet, and they're on the verge of figuring it out. They were sitting at the meal together, and Yosef Atarik is saying exactly who they were, the order of their birth, and the mother that they were from. They, were, they asked him about it, and he said, oh, I know it all from my cup. He banged on the cup, and he said, Reuven is the oldest. Shimon is the oldest, is the second oldest. Levi, then Yehuda, then Yisachar and Zvulun. after God, Naphtali, Don, and Asher. They're all from the same mother Leah. You sit over here. They couldn't understand it. There is no magic that does that. They couldn't understand where they had gotten that from. They couldn't get where it was all coming from. So they started to suspect. Does this guy know us? Does this guy know who we are? So says Rav Sturmbach. The fact that they were starting to suspect, he had to keep them more off. He had to keep them off balance, off key. So since he wasn't yet ready to reveal himself to them, He wanted to, he told them he knew everything through Nichosh and then continued his suspicions of them being Meraglim spies so that they wouldn't ask questions. Remember, the first thing he did when they came down to Mitzrayim, he said, you guys are a bunch of spies. Spies cannot ask any questions. So then we see, when they see a Mediterranean-looking guy who's sitting on the throne of Mitzrayim, who got there because he translated dreams and his old name is Yosef, They would say to themselves, obviously the first thing you do is you'd ask somebody, wait, how did this guy get up there? Oh, because he translated dreams from Paro and he was in jail and he was this beautiful slave that was owned by Potiphar. And they would hear that story. They'd be like, oh my gosh, it's Yosef. They couldn't ask any questions because they were accused of being spies. He so can't ask any questions. And so he's continuing that idea, says Rosh Schoenbach, by saying, you guys stole from me. And if you stole from me, they couldn't ask any questions. They couldn't deal with anything. That's the idea behind it. Continuing trying to steal the secrets of Mitzrayim by the secrets of Mitzrayim through the cup that would tell you the future. That's what he was doing to them. The Kleucker. and Toras Chaim Vamuna both suggest this whole episode was the Gvi'ah was to get the Shvatim to understand what it would feel like to be a slave for life. You sold me. You don't realize what pain you put me through, emotionally speaking, when you sold me as a slave. Granted, it wasn't terrible because I ended up becoming the king of Mitzrayim although he was in jail for 12 years and a slave for a year before that but the thought process of me being a slave, you don't realize how bad that was so he wanted to put in their heads what it felt like to be a slave, what it felt like you are going to be enslaved for life and that's what he did what he did. The bear Yosef is another reason but the Cleocha and the Torah both say that so those are the three reasons that I found why Yosef specifically did this with the goblet trying to get them in trouble and faking the entire thing. Now, what is the significance of it? Why the goblet? What is this cup? So, Targum Yunusen says the word nachesh, nachesh was doing magic, as the word Nichush, which we usually translate as superstition, maybe as di- uh, divination. Maybe that's the right word for it. I think Ravaria Kaplan translates it as divination, right? I believe that's the idea behind it. He suggests also, Targum Yunusen, astrology. They knew how to manipulate the stars to figure out what to do. And there was a chokhmah to this. The Yalkar although not here, he mentions this elsewhere. If you make a certain Kli under a certain constellation, when the stars are perfectly aligned in a certain way, you're able to get something out of that Kli that you could figure out the future by looking at that cleave, We don't know how to use these things and we have no clue how this works exactly. But apparently there was something, not astronomy, astrology, they were able to figure thing out, fit things out and they were able to do things like this. Says Targum Yonisan, that was significance of this goblet. It was created at a certain time, or so Yosef claimed, it was created at a certain time under a certain mazel, under a constellation, and therefore was able to tell them things that they would never have known otherwise. So Orachaim Akadur says, there are two things that you could do with this goblet. Nachesh means it could tell you something about The past, yinachesh, means it could also tell you something about the future. You'd be able to tell the past and the future from this goblet, and that's what it referred to over there. The Rashbam says he kept doing things during the meal which were fakes. Faking that he got it from the goblet, like saying who they were and what mother they were from, their ages, and everything about them. He had them put down. He was faking it through the goblet, showing them that it was not anything but an ordinary cup, that it could be used for magic. magic. And that's why the messenger expected them to know what it was. When he said, that's the thing that my master uses for magic, they they should have understood this is the goblet that Yosef kept showing off to them again and again and again. The Ibn Ezra says this hints to that Medrash Rabba that I said before in Sadi Hay where he showed everything right over there. Now, the Shvatim were so confused by this, because they knew magic. How do they know magic? So the Gemara says in Erevin that Avraminu had 400 prakim of Gemara Vodazara. We have five prakim in our Gemara Vodazara. He had 400 prakim. Josephus He says this, that when Avram went down to Mitzrayim and taught them mathematics, which is a super interesting thing for him to have taught them, which is where he made his money, by the way. He didn't make his money over the three to six months that he was in Egypt by peddling off his wife, which sounds super strange, and there's no way that Avram would have done that and then kept the money afterward. He made the money from all the astronomy, astrology, and mathematics that he taught them, which, by the way, makes a lot of sense to me why the pyramids throughout Egypt very well could have been used as signs Areas that were used for astrology and their perfect mathematical pyramids. Pyramids are a very difficult thing to make. Very difficult. I don't know if anybody's tried it before, but they're very difficult to make a perfect pyramid, square on the bottom, going all the way up on top. He may have showed them how to do it, and it is true. It's around the time that Avram came to Mitzrayim that the pyramids were made. If we go by Egyptology and what they say, we were not the ones that made the pyramids. We might have made some pyramids, but the main pyramids, Giza, and all the places around them, were made about. 900 years earlier, which give or take is close to when Avram Avinu was down in Mitzrayim, he may have taught them everything they needed to know and therefore it was all there for them. It's possible that Avram went there teaching them his Chachmah and came out learning their Chachmah. He learned all about the magics of Egypt, all the different things that they did, whether it was fake, real demonology, whatever it was that they were doing, he got involved with it, learned how to do it, and came out and wrote 400 Prakim, so to speak, of Avodah and then taught it to Yitzchak and Yaakov, and then to the Shvatim. These may even be the Matanos that he gave to the other kids that he sent out east the Matanus Rosh says, is the shame hatuma masar lahem. It could be it's that shame of Tuma that he had gotten from Mitzrayim that he gave in them. It's possible that's what it's referring to. Yeah. Where would they have gotten it from? Where would who? The Egyptians? Yeah. So it, it, there are ways of manipulating things in this world. And Ham, right, who came, who's the father of Mitzrayim, is possibly, you know, the first person to have brought about all of that stuff. So it's possible Even, like, that they were getting it from the them. No, 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 no. Although, yeah, I mean, there are there are certain things in the, the only svarim that they would have had back then, if Raziel Malach is a real, whatever it was, that have to do with this stuff. But there are ways of also manipulating it. If the and were as powerful as they were back in the time, the Mazikin or whatever it was, then there were ways of asking them what to do and how to do it. If demonology is real, then you could ask them how to get involved in magics with. Might have been, there might have been. I mean, remember, it has to come from one of three people, Shem, Chom, or Yathas. So it's one of the three. So mistama, it had to come from them, because the Bnei Kayin are all dead. So whatever it was, it's there. I mean, I guess Og was alive, and and Azal made it onto the Teva, the two demons, right? To the Malachi Chavala, whatever you want to call them, right? So they came down, so there was something. But what exactly, we don't know. So that's why the Shvatim were so shocked. They knew about this stuff. They knew what it was. They didn't practice it, but they knew what it was because they learned it. Los salamed lasos. You can't learn it to do it, but you can learn how to, how, how to get involved with it. So when they heard Yosef saying, yeah, I have this cup and this cup tells me the future and the past, they were shocked. They were shocked. They were like, we've never heard of this before. What kind of magic is this? Where are you from? But they knew they couldn't ask that because there were spies. So they couldn't ask any questions. They had no clue what it was. It made no sense to them. None of it made any sense because everything was so there. And the Miam Loez says, however, this goblet was used for nichosh, but it wasn't necessarily for nichosh. It was easier to use an object like a goblet to divine something. Apparently that was easier, maybe through the mirrored images that you could get on the side or from looking in the bottom of it, you could see something. But it wasn't the only way that Yosef at Tzadik knew how to do nichosh. It was just an easy way to be able to... To focus his energies and to be able to do something from it. It's almost like I, I don't want to be like all jokey about it, but there is such a concept of a wand by a witch, right? Although there is no crazy concept, but we do have a concept like that. Elisha had his staff that he gave to Gehazi that he wanted Gehazi to bring back that kid from the dead. It's possible that the same idea is there just in Tuma. The same way that a, a makubel can put his power into a staff. And allow that staff to be mechayi amesim even without him there. So, so too, it's possible that a magician has the ability to put that koach into a wand. And yes, everybody in Harry Potter is Chayv Misa and they should all be killed. And I agree, if we would ever see any of them, we should kill all of them as soon as we see them. Um, if not for dina of dina, but they're not real. So I, I, it would be that way. It's possible there were such things and that such people had the ability to do so, and that's that. So the goblet was a, a way of doing nichosh, but it wasn't the only way of getting about nichosh. And the shach says it straight out. He brings a medrash that Yosef Atsadik originally asked the shvatim, all I want to know is who gave this suggestion to Binyamin to steal this goblet. Who told him to do so? I know you stole your brother before, And I know you sold him to other people. So one of you is a real thief. And I know Binyamin wasn't there. Who suggested to Binyamin to be a thief like the rest of you? Pretty strong words. Binyamin answered, No one told me to steal it. And I didn't steal it. So Yosef at asked him to swear that he did not steal it. And Binyamin then said, I was not involved in anything that my my brothers did to my older brother, which you apparently know about. In fact, I named all of my ten children after that brother. And then named them all, showing how each one referred to something that his brother, he missed out on with his brother, etc., hoping that I would be able to see it again. And that's what caused Yosef at Sadek to start to cry, which allowed him to have that emotional breakdown in the beginning of Parsons and allowed himself to reveal himself to the brothers. Are we going to say something? What were some of those names? Mupim Chupim Ba'ard. If I remember correctly, the chupin was the easy one because I won't see the chuppah of my of my brother. I forgot what Mupim was, but it's one of my favorite names in all of Tanakh. I wish I, I, I wanted to name one of my kids Mupim. It just never worked out well, right? Unfortunately, my wife had some say in it, so it just never worked out well. Ard also sounds really good if you're a pirate. <laughs> if you're Ard the pirate, you are the greatest man of all time. And if you have a peg leg and a little parrot on your shoulder, I don't think you could be anything greater. So, yeah, maybe maybe in another lifetime I'll be able to name my kids Mupim, Chupim, and Ard, right? But each one is supposed to be something. I just, I don't remember each one of them. I don't remember them. But they're brought down straight out in the Gemara, but I uh, I don't remember where the Gemara is. It's probably in Sota, around Lamedvav, but I don't remember it. Moses the king brings another midrash that the Shvatim lifted Binyamin on their shoulders and called him a thief, the son of a thief, because who's Binyamin's mother? Rachel, Emenu, right? Who stole the truffim from Lavan? You know what's funny? As a timeout, I don't know why the midrash didn't say that he's the thief, the son of a thief, son of Yaakov that stole the Bechorah and the Brachos from Esav. I guess because they consider that legitimate, while Rachel Imenu illegitimately stole the Truffin from Lavan. I guess that's why, but it's so funny. Like every translation of the Medrash, no one brings up Yaakov. They say thief, son of a thief. I, it does say Barganva, right? So it's feminine, but it's so funny because they could have said Barganv, but either way they said that, Yosef told them, don't do anything to Binyamin. Binyamin's intentions were noble. Just like Rachel stole, stole the truffin from Lavan so that Lovan would stop doing a votazara, Binyamin stole the cup from me so I would stop doing a votazara. So he truly is a child of his mother. The same way his mother did it for intention, for Lashem shemayim. so too that's that. As opposed to you, he told the Shvatim, who stole Yosef with no good intentions whatsoever. So you guys are the real thieves, right? And Benjamin is not a real thief. He takes after his mother. Isn't that a crazy line? That's how the, the Moshe of Zakanim brings down that medrash, how he explains the medrash. That when uh, Lovan was doing that avodah zarah and Yosef is at it with the cup, he was doing that necromancy, you know, whatever, the nichush, with that cup. So again, they were calling him Ganev Bar Ganba, right? And he said to them, no, he had good intentions like his mother. You had bad intentions. You're the real thieves here. That's what he told them. And that may explain that shachs medrash of saying who gave him the idea because Binyam wouldn't have done it on its own. That's an unbelievable combination of midrashim. The chidah says that's why Yosef at Tzadik showed such anger toward the shvatim. He told them, you should know. That this skula behind this cup only works for the guy who makes the cup. It doesn't work for anybody else. If I make the goblet, I'm able to use the goblet. But you didn't make the goblet. So it doesn't work for you. So even if you did take it from me, it would never work for you. It would only be worth it for me. So what did you take it for? What do you do that? As the, the shliach said before, you did evil. There was no point. Aside from that, you're known as Ivrim. Ivrim are good people. It's forbidden for you to do divination of any sort. What were you thinking? Why would you take this if it's forbidden to you? Yeah. So I don't understand like the, the, the authenticity of the argument when he knows all of it and he was he put the goblet in there. The no, no, 100%. I, I, so I the start off with this, but like, it's, it's 100% true. You're right. The arguments are all made on a higher level, meaning explain to the Shvatim what he felt they were doing wrong even though he knew he put it in there and tried to either scare them in order to give them a kapara or allow them to feel like what it was like to become a slave, etc. There was a reason for it. But you're right. I'm only mentioning it as in what Yosef did to make them feel the way they were. That's it. But you're 100% right. Obviously there. But now the kalvachomer that the Shvatan makes sense a little bit later on. Their kalvachomer was if we didn't take the money beforehand and we returned it, why would we take silver and gold now? That kalvachomer doesn't make any sense. The kalvachomer is If we returned the money from before, then why would we steal gold and silver now? You would steal it because it's an awesome cup. This is not just a golden cup. This is the golden egg. This is a cup that does magic. It's amazing magic. Of course you would steal it. You'd return money because that's just transient money. This is a golden cup or a silver cup that gives you everything you could possibly want. So now their kalvachomer makes sense. We knew that this goblet only works for the person that, that makes it. So therefore, we must have only stolen it for money, for gold and silver. But why would we have stolen that if we already returned the money from before? That was their Kalvachomer. The Kalvachomer now makes sense. It's a real Kalvachomer as opposed to what it was before. Now, there's a Ramban over here and a Rashbam, the Balitos, the Orachim and the Chizkuni that it goes on. And there's a lot of stuff. The Abarbanel and everything. He says that the whole divination thing here was really about a simmon. This is super interesting. The Abarbanel, like, you know the Abarbanel often takes, like, the things that seem like Crazy midrashim and turns them into most simple shots. Listen to the Abarbanel here. There was no divination or magic going on with this goblet. You know what they did? This goblet was what we would call a good omen. A good omen. In Chulin, Tzadi Heimabes, we say it's mutter to make a simmon out of a house. Out of a woman and a young child. In other words, that means when your child is born, you can expect good things to happen on that day. If When you get married, you can expect good things to happen. And so too when you buy a house, you can expect good things to happen. That's not divination or superstition. That's not like stepping on a crack, break your mother's back, or like spilling salt and throwing it over your back or whatever it is, or like walking under a ladder, which none of those make sense. This makes sense. On a day where I buy a house or get married or have a child, good things should happen. Like that makes sense to be able to expect that type of an oath and stuff like that. That's the nichosh that Yosef was claiming over here, and that's what he was talking about. The day he became king was the first day that he drank from that goblet which means he used this goblet as a simon that good things were going to happen to him in life. So from that point on, he kept the goblet by him, not because of superstition or magic, says the Abarbanel. He kept it by him because it was an awesome sign that he was the king, that everything went well for him, that everything should continue to go well. But what happens when that cup breaks, when the cup is stolen, the cup is lost? That's a bad sign. That's a bad omen. And that's why Yosef was so upset that the cup was stolen. He made it seem like he did nichush with it. What that means is, this is my magic cup. This is the cup that I've used my whole life. And now you took it away from me. How can you? Now my whole life is down. That's why he said he was so upset about it. That's what he claiming. but not that there was actual magic when it comes through. Now, Rashi says there was no magic out of the cup. itself. So maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But the magic was not about the cup. Rashi says, come on, guys. You know that I do nihush, Even if I didn't use this cup, you don't think I would ask people like where, who stole the cup and where it came from? It, I, <coughs> like nowadays we have video cameras. Back then they had necromancers. So the necromancers or the demonologists would just talk to the demons or talk to the dead and be like, what happened? And the demons or the dead would say, oh, it was stolen by that guy. And then they would go ahead. That's how they talk. So they, they would go ahead and they would take, they would find out everything from that. She says, you realize, I'm going to do that stuff. So it's not about the cup that you guys stole that was filled with magic. It's that, why would you steal something from me? Don't you realize that I would do everything in my power to get it back? I'm going to find out where that came from. And Targum Innocent seems to say the same. Targum Onkelis seems to say the same. It's like spying out, figuring it out. And Sora mor says the following, I'm the king, said Yosef. You don't think I'd realize what happened? You don't think that I would find out if someone stole from me? I will find out everything. I'm the one who's feeding the world right now. I knew that there were nine years, seven years of, 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 of satiation and seven years of famine. I knew about that from a dream. You don't think I can figure out when someone steals, steals a cup from me? I know everything. And that's what he was trying to say. Right? I'm going to be able to go through. Nachal, Siakot goes through. I realize the same thing as that Gemara and Bab with Marzutra. Remember that Gemara and Bab Metziah, Marzutra, right? There was a, a cup that was stolen inside his the innkeeper's house and the innkeeper didn't know who stole it. Marzurcha looked around and he saw one of the Bahram wiping his hands on someone else's towel and he said he stole it. Because nobody else would do that, right? Aside from thieves. Just a thief would use somebody else's towel. Or like wipe their hands on somebody else's shirt when they're not real when they don't realize it. I mean who would do that, right? Right? Nobody would do that except the thief. And my immediately said, that's the guy. So it seems that that's the idea behind this as well. ish kamoni doesn't mean, I'm a magician. Ooh, and I pull rabbits out of hats. That's not what he meant. He means, I figure these things out. I'm really smart, said Yosef. You don't think I would be able to figure out who stole my cup when you guys were eating at the same meal as me and you had the only access to that cup? As the Gemara Babasra and Yudalim Ralf says, the same idea over here. But then we get into the big question, which I guess is going to take me seven minutes to say, and I'm going to do it really, really quickly. How could Yosef at lie? He said to them, If it didn't mean the way that Rashi said it, if it meant, I do magic. But Yosef at doesn't do magic. How could he tell them he did magic if he never did that? He never would have got involved in magic. So I found eight answers to this question. They're all awesome. Yaakov, Rebidon number 70 says, that's not what Yosef Atadik meant. Yosef did not mean that whatsoever. When Bilaam and Balak attempted to curse Klau Yisrael, Bilaam tried to do Nechashim against the name Yaakov. Balak tried to do the same against the name Yisrael. Each one tried to take one. But Ruach mis... Listen to this, Yaakov Reveni. Ruach Mi to Yosef came from between the branches of a tree. They, a spirit from the side of Yosef came from the branches of a tree, blew the Nechashem away being mevatled them completely. That's why Bilam said, Kilo no I can't do Nechash against Yaakov. There's no Nechash here. He was telling the Shavotim the truth. I have the ability to be mevatled all Nechashem in the world. I can knock out all of the Nechash, of the superstitions of the entire world. When he said, nachesh, nachesh, it meant a man like me can knock out all Nihush." And that's true. Yosef had the ability to do everything, similar to how Rabbi Hanina used to be able to knock everything out by saying, Ein vado, like the Gemara Chul and dav Number two, the shock says that he was actually hinting to the truth. The reason why Yehuda wanted me gone so badly is because my dreams indicated that I was going to become king and Yehuda was promised the malchus. So Yehuda was upset because I'm going to be the king, said Yosef. Yehuda should be the king. So he devised this plan to sell him as a slave to say that if the dream is false, then nothing will happen he'll remain a slave. If he's meant to be a king, then even a slave will end up becoming a king, said Yosef. You did this nichush years ago. Years ago, twenty-two years ago, when you sold me into slavery, you did this, Yehuda. You made this nichush. Your nichush was let's see how God makes a slave into a king. Either the dreams are false or the dreams are true and it'll be a king anyway. So let's see what happens. Says Yosef, Nachhesh Nachesh Ish Kamoni, you did nichush on me. And it worked. I'm the king and I'm your master. Right? That's what he told Yehuda. That's number two. Number three, Tor more sent he meant a man like me. Does Nicholas. Not me. Ish Kasher Kamoni. A man like me. Paro does Nicholas. But me, myself, I wouldn't do it whatsoever. The Ora says the same exact answer. The Barbanel above says Nicholas is not really a form of divination. It was just something else, and that was the answer we gave for Rashi as well. revigdor Miller says Yosef did this in his guise as an Egyptian. And I think, although I'm not positive, revigdor Miller is sort of allowing Yosef to lie in order to keep up his guise as an an Egyptian? I don't know, but it certainly sounds that way. He goes on to praise the Avos and the Shvatim for never getting involved in divination and demonology that everybody else practiced, everybody around them. The Canaanim, right, the Egyptians, as well as the people that lived around the Polishtim, they were all involved in this, but they never did it, right? And seemingly, the Shvatim, they're never involved in this whatsoever. The Nitziv says Yosef Zedek was very careful with his words. He never lied at all. It makes sense that a man like him would practice divination, but he himself didn't do so. Here's the, the concept. Yehu said out loud sarcastically, those who know Yehu was a king of Israel. He was the one who knocked out the whole family of Ahav. He got, he got a nevuah that he was supposed to destroy all of Ahav's family. Maybe the nevuah came from Yonah. It's possibly that Yonah, Ben Amittai, is the one that told him this nevuah. like ran in, ran out, super funny story. And all the people were like, who's that crazy dude? And they were like, he was like, don't worry about him. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable how it's worded in the Navi. And Yehu was told that he had to kill all of Ahab's palace. He said sarcastically in order to catch all the people who were worshiping Baal, he said, Ahav worshiped the Baal a bit. Yehu will do it a lot. And all the people came in. They're like, oh, Yehu likes the Baal. They brought all their Baal in, right? All their idols. And they came into Yehu. And Yehu was like, kill everyone who has a Baal. So he said it. In order to fool everybody and kill them all. But because he said it out loud, in the end, Yehu himself ended up worshiping Abodazar. Because he said it out loud. Bris sometimes when he says something, it actually happens. That never happened to Yosef, said the Netziv, Because he never said it about himself. He purposely said it as somebody else, but not for himself. A man who is in my position, who does what I do, would have done this. And therefore, he never got involved with that. That wasn't a problem whatsoever. The Meshech and the ear David really is the same thing. Was explaining that Yosef was explaining to them even if their intentions for stealing the goblet were no, noble, maybe their intentions were noble for doing so. It would never have worked. Maybe Binyamin did it, like we said before, to take away a vodizara from Mitzrayim and everything like that. He said it's not going to help at all because I would do magic even without my goblet. I'd figure it out in some other way. So it's not going to help whatsoever. It wouldn't be involved whatsoever. Maybe you did it in order to keep me away from Keshev because the Gemara and Sanhedrin Nun and which you guys clearly know, no. That magic is going to be, is forbidden, even in non-Jews, right? Nah, it wouldn't have stopped me. They wouldn't have done anything whatsoever. Number eight, those nine, the Torah says the Shvatan didn't want to kill Yosef directly so how could they have thrown him in a pit filled with snakes and scorpions? They must have thought that he was a chavr who could charm the snakes and take care of the snakes. Like Yevomus, Kofchafalov says, if you see a guy who's in a pit with snakes and scorpions, you don't have to assume that he's dead because it's likely that he's able to do you know, and get out of it and there's no problem whatsoever so he said you thought when you threw me into that pit that I'm a nachosh guy that I'm a Nachish and Nachish guy and now you're going to do this to me that's how he says it I did have a ninth answer the Degel Mach Ephraim but I don't want to go into the Degel Mach Ephraim says a ninth answer you can look it up right over there the, Mayana Torah quotes the Kutzker Rebbe and we're going to end with this he used to say Isha Hashir Kamoni someone who attempts to copy my deeds Nachish and Nachish is exactly what the problem with Kishif is Now, think about this for a second. You could see a Rebbe who's davening for the Omnud, and he's going crazy. He's davening with such a brain, and he's davening like this, shuckling, gets his arms up in the air, maybe even claps a little bit, right? You always hear a clapper once in a while, right? Maybe there's a guy like that. If you try to be like that guy, and you try to be like that Rebbe, then you're skipping, like, all the levels. The Rebbe worked his way up there, said he became this, 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 and finally got to the point where he can daven the way he davens. But if you just go from here to here, then that's exactly what nichosh is. You're copying God without taking the steps to get up that far. You're using magic words, abracadabra, to become something or do something, pull a rabbit out of a hat that wasn't really there in the first place. Said the Kotzka Rebbe. The Kotzka Rebbe said, Isha sure Kamoni? You want to be a person like me? Nechesh That's just magic. That's magic. That's exactly what's wrong with magic. Once there was an older chassid who lived in the same area as the Tferosh Shlomo of Redamsk. This is uh, Shlomo of, Shlomo of, uh, the Rebbe Reb Shlomo of Radamsk was a tremendous, tremendous tzaddik. One time the chassid saw a younger man copying the, the, the Rebbe's way of davening. So this chassid went over to him and he whispered in his ear, you should know your chayev to be shechted. That's what he told the guy because he was copying the Rebbe. So the young man ran over to the Rebbe and told him what the chassid had told him. The Rebbe approached his neighbor and he said to his neighbor, the chassid, he said, what did you mean by that? The chassid answered, in Rebbe Yudah Hasid's will, the Tzavos to Rebbe Yudah Hasid, right? It says that if a chicken crows like a rooster, a female chicken crows like a rooster, it must be shechted. Why? Because a rooster feels the need to crow because of something in its body. If a chicken wants to crow like a rooster, it wants to copy the rooster... And I don't want any political insinuations coming from over here. But if the chicken wants to copy the rooster and show itself as if it's a rooster, right? Then the copycat should be shechted before it does any more harm. Because people will think that the chicken is a rooster. And that's horrible. How could people think that a chicken is a rooster? When the Rebbe Davins, he says, there's a burning feeling inside. And he has to move. That the Rebbe doesn't die. He has to move and that's why he's going so crazy and the Rebbe's davening with all this over there. This young man is only doing it because he wants others to see him davening like a Rebbe so that they'll go to him and they'll say, you're the Rebbe. We want to ask you our Shilas. We're going to give you our petex, We're going to give you a Pidyon. That's what this guy wants to be like. They'll think he's the Rebbe when the Shl- Teferish Shlomo, Shlomo of Radomsk is the Rebbe, he said that will lead to a disaster. And therefore, he should be shechted now like that chicken that wants to be a rooster so that no one gets fooled by him. That's what the Kotzka Rebbe meant. Someone who attempts to be like me. That's not the way to be. Build your way up. Make your own way. Don't forge your own path. Don't be the path of someone else that's out there. Have a good Shabbos, everybody. Yo, what's up, Dave?